Sometimes signs and wonders follow God, and then people follow the signs and wonders. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Embry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a program taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 every year. It's very exciting. This is our 33rd year. And we are going to study the Bible in just a moment. Acts chapter 14, it's going to be very interesting. So stay there. Right now, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at James, the brother of Jesus today. Ryan? Well, in the book of Acts, we find Paul and others sailing around a lot from place to place. And today, my segment focuses on the fact that sailing is a very ancient mode of transportation, even older than some of us may realize. Yeah, in fact, it is. It's fascinating. And, and we, we find all these boats and ships from ancient times. It's very good. Excellent. Janice. Today, I titled my segment, Loving Others. All right. So take your Bible guide and turn to Acts chapter 14 as we begin to study what God has said. Acts 14, 1 through 18. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude of both the Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews, with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaniah, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons— filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. 
Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 18. Acts chapter 14, 15 is what we're going to read today. It's really interesting. You know, the Bible is committed to truth, even when it's hard or uncomfortable. Now, when Paul and Barnabas left Iconium and came to the city of Lystra, there was a man sitting there who was crippled, unable to stand or walk from birth. Now, Paul observed that he had faith and told him to stand up on his feet in the name of Jesus Christ. The man did, and the people went wild. They mistakenly assumed that Paul and Barnabas were the Roman gods, Zeus and Hermes. For them, this made the sense and, and the cultural and religious framework that the people were working from was obvious. But would they take correction? Even though Paul and Barnabas clearly admonished the crowd not to worship, the people did worship anyway. And in this example, we see that there are reasons when God chooses not to do miracles in front of us. We may fail to worship or acknowledge the real God of healing. In fact, though it comes in a slightly different form today, we still see the worship of men and the worship of women. Absolutely stunning. And as we focus on this today, the worship of men, we are consumed with the idea that what God is saying here in this passage for us to read and to take note of is important to hear today. Now, we're going to read this and we've read it already and we're going to read it again with points. And we need to pray. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would make known to us what it is you are attempting to say. Because Lord, I don't think there's any other time in history when the worship of men and women, regular men and women, has been so endorsed as it is today with various stars in the music industry, various famed stars in the acting industry. Help us, Lord, to hear you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, when we read the Bible, we read it to change our hearts. We don't read the Bible to reinforce what we believe, but we allow God to change how we believe. And it's only God through the power of his Holy Spirit who can do that. And so we have prayed and asked the Lord to show us that. So let's look at the scripture. It says this, Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 say. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together the synagogue, they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and spoke that great multitude, both Jews and Greeks, and believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. You see, sometimes signs and wonders follow God's grace. We must always worship God and not the signs and wonders. Now, beloved, listen carefully. Everybody talks about signs and wonders happening. Wow, 
this happened and that happened. Did you see that sign? Did you feel this? Did you... Do we worship the feelings or do we worship the Lord? Now, it's important to remember that the Bible clearly gives us in the 66 books who God is. Jesus Christ is God. He is the word of God and he is God. Now, if we worship the Lord, that means in hard times and great times, in think, times when feelings are great, we worship the Lord. In times when feelings are really down, we worship the Lord because God has delivered us. Do we believe in the Lord giving us eternal life? Do we believe in the Lord delivering us? He will. Everybody who is a Christian will be delivered regardless of what kind of life we had to live through to get to it. God has promised to deliver us. That's the great provision of eternal life in Christ. Fascinating. Now, with that in mind, we go on to Acts chapter 14, verse 4. Here's what it says. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lysodonia and also surrounding the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. Now watch this. Paul and Barnabas fled to Lystra and Derby to preach the good news there. There may be times when we will have to flee from persecution. Do you know what the term is today? One in seven. One in seven Christians are persecuted. It's more than it has ever been in history. More people today are persecuted than ever were persecuted before in history. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. There's a great revival going on over in the East, in China and in India, in Iran, a great revival happening. Praise God. Well, let's go on to Acts chapter 14, verses 8 to 18. Interesting. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking and Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to become healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. Now, when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lestonian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And then the priest Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands and in the gates and tending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and they ran among the multitude crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God. Turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are in them. Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did, he did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes 
from sacrificing to them. Fascinating, beloved. The people misunderstood the miracles of God demonstrated through Paul and Barnabas. All power and authority comes from God. And we must always, always, always point to him alone. So I would simply say, this program, I would say to you, if there's any good that's come from me, it is not me. It's not Rod Hembry. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship him, only God. That is the only thing that we can worship, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. So today I took my cues from Acts chapter 15, uh, because what we see here is really interesting. We see this, this church council, this really first church council here that's held at Jerusalem. And the uh, apostles all gather together and the council seems to be presided over by James. Now, this is not James, the son of Zebedee, who earlier in Acts was actually martyred. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And, you know, James shows up not only in Acts, later on he'll show up as well in the New Testament. He also shows up in the first century Jewish Roman historian Josephus's writings, and he shows up in uh, the Christian historian Eusebius's writing as well. So today, I want to see what we can learn about James. One of the most surprising early figureheads of the Christian church was James, the brother of Jesus. Early in Christian history, he was nicknamed James the Just to differentiate him from James the Apostle of Christ. Early Christian writers speak of James as exemplary in his religious life, living for God as a Jew dedicated to Jesus Christ. The New Testament tells us much the same of James once he became a Christian, though it doesn't give us as much detail as we may like. The first mention of James in the Gospels comes from Matthew 13. When Jesus preaches in Nazareth, he's met with skepticism because the people had known him from childhood, knew his parents, naming his mother four brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and mentioning that he also had sisters. Unimpressed with Jesus's origins, most of his hometown neighbors couldn't respect him as a teacher. In Mark 3, we learn that his brothers traveled to him to try to make him stop his ministry, thinking that he was out of his mind. And in John 7, his brothers try to convince him to go to the Passover festival in Jerusalem to prove himself as a teacher. It's noted that they did not believe in him. In their culture, family honor was of utmost importance. Jesus being so controversial would have brought the family into shame and disrespect. The next time we hear about James and the brothers of Christ in the Bible is in Acts 1, after the death and resurrection of Christ. They're with the apostles of Christ, dedicating themselves to prayer. So at some point between John 7 and Acts 1, the brothers of Christ went from skeptics to followers of him. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, the Apostle Paul is describing the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He says that Jesus appeared to James and then the rest of the apostles. It seems that Jesus met with his brother, and for James and the rest, it changed everything. James then became a prominent leader of the Jerusalem church. The Apostle Paul called him a pillar of the church and speaks of him as on the same level or even higher than the other apostles. When a council was held to figure out what should be done with Christian Gentiles, whether they should also follow the Mosaic law, it was James who was given the last word. He discerned that Gentile Christians did not need to follow the law, though they did need to separate themselves from pagan practices, while not taking up Jewish ones. The first century Roman historian Josephus recorded the martyrdom of James, calling him the brother of Jesus and saying that he was sentenced to death by the Sanhedrin who stoned him. A later fourth century Christian historian tells us that an earlier Christian writer said that James was pushed off a high edge of the Temple Mount where he was addressing the crowd. When the fall didn't kill him, the religious leaders stoned him and finished him off with a club. This was a devastating loss for the Jerusalem church. And in addition, to the growing list of Christian martyrs. There we go. There's actually some more things that are that need to be said about James, especially artifacts related to his life. There's some controversy over an ossuary or a bone box that we're going to get to a little bit later on. So in a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about that. So I hope you stay tuned for that. That's going to be very interesting, Corey. Look forward to hearing that. All right, Ryan, let's go. Okay, so today we find ourselves about halfway through the book of Acts. And by now, I'm sure that you've noticed how much traveling was involved for Paul and his companions. It was a lot of walking and sailing. And actually, the book of Acts refers to sailing around 30 times. But sailing is a lot older than the first century AD. As a matter of fact, it goes back thousands of years, even to the time of Noah. But today I want to talk about some very well-known sailors, the Vikings. It's well known that they sailed across the high seas to the United States. And what's interesting is that this would require a fairly high level of knowledge and technology. So how did they do it? Well, it's interesting that Viking stories claim that one of the tools that they used was what is now called the Viking Sunstone. Check it out. There is overwhelming evidence that the ancient peoples were masters of the high seas. For example, it is known that the Vikings navigated to America. Obviously, these people did not have satellite navigation systems in place to help them determine their position, yet major errors in plotting a course could have fatal consequences. Indeed, successful navigation requires accurately determining both latitude and longitude. As many have noted, longitude is notoriously difficult without accurate timepieces. However, as long as the sun was visible, latitude could be determined quite accurately. Yet what about the times when the sun was not visible, but was obscured behind the clouds for many days at a time? Indeed, the route from Scandinavia to America is very often covered with clouds. What sort of technology then did they possess which allowed them to determine latitude despite these overcast conditions? Research suggests that the Vikings could have used a large crystal of calcite to locate the sun's position indirectly. Calcite has long been called Iceland spar, that is, Icelandic silverberg or silver rock. But this research also suggests that this was also the fabled Viking solarstein, or sunstone. 
the late Leif Carlson, an experienced sailor and navigator, did extensive research on Viking navigation and believed too that transparent calcite was indeed the Viking sunstone. Later, a research team was able to actually test Carlson's ideas and discovered that when light passes through transparent calcite, it refracts into two beams, resulting in a double image. As Philip Bell points out, Iceland spar is an optical calcite, the angle of whose sides leads to this double refraction of light. Unlike direct sunlight, reflected light is polarized, true of scattered light on a cloudy day. It is thought that the Vikings exploited these properties of light by mounting a calcite crystal in a wooden block and rotating it horizontally until the brightness of the two images equalized, at which point they could determine the sun's position accurately. Apparently this Viking sunstone could even be used at twilight when the sun was below the horizon to give them an accurate reference point. While it is true that no Iceland spar crystals have been found that are associated with Viking shipwrecks or settlements, the Viking sagas themselves do mention these prized sunstones as being used to navigate the treacherous Arctic seas. Additionally, it is believed that the Vikings made use of the stars as well as observed the motions of the waves and even the behavior of seabirds. Whatever tools and techniques they developed, they certainly were much more intelligent than often assumed by evolutionary historians. According to the Bible, humans were extremely intelligent from the moment they were created. And the global knowledge presented in the Table of Nations in Genesis chapter 11 suggests that it was soon after the global flood that Noah's descendants surveyed, mapped, and explored the entire post-flood Earth. So as you can see, by the Apostle Paul's time, sailing was already a very ancient mode of transportation. And from a biblical perspective, we know that shipbuilding itself is at least as old as Noah, since he was responsible for constructing a massive ark. And this shouldn't surprise us, because from the beginning, God created man fully formed and in his image. We weren't unevolved brutes, but rather very sophisticated human beings. And the sunstone isn't the only example of sea the seaworthiness and intelligence of ancient man. We also have very detailed ancient maps and solid evidence that the ancients were in fact very brilliant shipmakers. And if you're interested in this topic, I've, I have produced a two-hour documentary called 30 Out-of-Place Artifacts, which really showcases the ingenuity of our ancient ancestors. Now, for that, you can call us, write, or go online to order it. It's a, that's a very good series, too. It's excellent. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to encourage people to check that out. Janice? All right. So today, I titled my segment, Loving Others. And uh, it might seem a little bit odd for you for uh, Acts chapter 14, talking about uh, Paul and Barnabas and, and as they're being uh, hailed as Zeus and Hermes by the people. But I found it very interesting to see that while they were in Lystra. There was this certain man without strength in his feet, the scripture says. He was sitting there. He was crippled from his mother's womb. So from the time that he was born, he had never walked. Now, this verse is the key verse for me. This man heard Paul speaking. And Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. Now, what I focused on here for myself when I read this passage was on Paul noticing this man in all of this group, in all of this multitude. And we hear, I mean, there had to be quite a group of people because of the clamor that took place after this man was healed. 
But Paul intently noticed this man. And this was God's timing through the Lord Jesus Christ using Paul to bring healing to this man. And I thought, Rod, there's often times when I'm out somewhere and I feel in my heart to go and talk to somebody or to make a compliment, pay some type of a compliment. And, uh, or, or it could be that I've all of a sudden I wake up and I'm thinking of somebody that I haven't thought of for a very long time. And I've learned over the years with my walk with the Lord Jesus and being encouraged by other people who have done the same to me, all of a sudden I'll get a text, hey, thinking about you today, or hey, praying for you today, or just something out of the blue that will happen. We say out of the blue, but you know what? I don't believe in out of the blue. I believe that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, His Spirit can prompt us to talk to that one that's maybe having a really terrible day. We don't know what they've faced. You know, sometimes, you know, if you go to the bank or maybe you're at, at the grocery store and the teller is particularly rude, we don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe you're the only person that will smile or even care when they say, how are you? And you say, I'm, I'm fine. And how are you? I just want to say today that as children of God, let us be encouragers. Let us be gracious to one another. Let us, when the Holy Spirit leads us, when we're thinking about somebody that we haven't thought of lately, or in if we're wherever we are out in public, and we just feel zeroed in on somebody, remember, let's take that time to pray for them, to be kind, to be gracious. This is the way that we can be a light in a very dark and troubled world. So let's do that. Let's be a light. BibleDiscoveryTV.com is a great website for you to go to. You can get the programs there. You can get a lot of resources there and everything else. And we would encourage you to go there because there's also a 24-7 stream that goes all the time of the programs we produce here. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Now let's pray. Lord, help me to only worship and serve you. That's very important. I'll be tempted, but Lord, I will worship only you in Jesus' name. 